quick shout out to our patrons on Patreon. All right, here we go. Jay Curtis Miller, Greg McCowan, McCann, Elliot Travis, PJ Zabo, Stephen Stinson, Chad Cunningham, Tim Finch, Richard Paris Wilson, Taylor McDonald, Alex. That's all it says, just Alex. So thanks, Alex. Taylor Shanton, Raphael Fortier, Fortier, Chris Francis, Philippe Maurice, Jeremy Malik Royal, Tom Duncan, Zach Reed, Olivier Jobin, Jobin, Jeremy Davis, Andy Wakeman, Dominique Lang, Brian Charles Lehrer, Brandon Mattingly, Caleb Ford, Josh Sliff, Slife, I think it's Sliff, uh, Luke Bickley, Nate Gerhardt, Esso, also Joshua Wan, Owen Asman, M. Cole Chilton, Matt Everett, Wilson Lemieux, and Adrian, oh boy, Kuchin Ruther, Kuchin Ruther, Ruther. Uh, thanks, guys, and on with the show. This season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. Musicbed has curated a world-class roster of bands, composers, and artists, and made them easily accessible for filmmakers. We personally use them all the time, so make sure you do too. And to sweeten the deal, they're offering 20% off your next non-custom license. Just use coupon code GOOD when you check out at musicbed.com. Also this season, me and Jared are giving away a bunch of behind-the-scenes content over at Patreon. For a small monthly subscription, you'll get access to live Q&As, commercial and music video treatments, and behind-the-scenes photos and videos of us on set. To become a patron of our show, visit patreon.com slash goodthepodcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is Good. Jared, how you been? Uh, it's been a week. Uh, yeah, I'm great. Actually, it's been a good week. I hear you're. Uh, I hear you're going to be a dad. That is well. I mean, I am currently, but I'm not looking to add. So I don't know where you heard that news because <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> that was just something no. you know. Like every once in a while, you're like, maybe I'll just throw this out. Yeah, there and just and see if it sticks. True. No, it's. <laughs> Not the case. Is there any, let me, can we be real honest with each other about our friendship? Okay. Is there any animosity that you have towards me because I have a son and you do not? Uh, no, no. I just need to, I need to like take him to play catch or something. <laughs> the little boys are just loud and, yeah. and they, they run around a lot and they make a lot of noise. <laughs> you sound so old right now. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I'm getting old. Yeah. I don't know. Do you feel like sometimes I feel like I'm getting old and then like I go to to like Winnie's school and I'm like the youngest parent by like right. at least like five or six years. So Right. Dude, I had a, like a, a legit anxiety attack the other day when I turned 27. Oh, you were at my house. Yeah. You, was you like, were having I was driving an around. anxiety attack? Yeah. I was like driving around that day and I was like, like I'm so, it felt like. It was the legit for, for the first time that I realized that I'm, I'm like not gonna be twenty, like in my twenties, for my, much longer. Yeah, I mean, I would say give it a good two years, and then reevaluate. Yeah, okay, that's a good advice. Um, but anyways, Jared, okay, we have a pretty good show coming up. Right yeah, now. well, you know, I think that people may be scared that they're just gonna listen to me and you blather on, the whole season. <laughs> That is not the case. We're still going to have really, really great guests on this season. And uh, this week, I am pumped to to have uh, Candace from Pretty Bird. 
on with us. Yeah. And I whenever, don't know. Whenever we, whenever we started recording, I thought her last name was just Candace Dragon, and I got really excited. Uh, it's actually Dragonis. That's how I would. <clears throat> somehow I did not ask her how to pronounce her last name, which is. It's got to be Dragonis. But it definitely dragon says a. dragon in there. Oh, yeah. A dragon. Very clearly. Yeah, it's there. And if you remember, I said that we would have some monsters on the show. Yeah. In, in episode one. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here we are. With Candace the dragon. Candace the dragon. Um, Let's talk about who, what she's done, though. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I'm looking at their Pretty Birds website, and there's a lot of... There's a lot of awards here. She works for Pretty Bird, um, which is she, yeah. So she's the music video. Company. Yeah, she's the executive producer for music content at Pretty Bird, and um, here's like a just a little list of artists that she's worked with: Jay Z, Beyonce, Kanye West, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, The Shins, Jennifer Lopez, Lenny Kravitz, Solange, No Doubt, Skrillex, A Track, Leon Bridges, Justin Bieber, Passion Pit, MGMT, Beck, Chromio, and Led Zeppelin, just to name. A few. <laughs> yeah, she's got... Oh, and Rihanna. Big deal. Sorry, Rihanna's in there too. So um, Candace is <laughs> more than qualified to <laughs> to to talk music videos uh, with us here on the show. So. Yeah, so, so maybe some things to reference uh, while, we're, while you're listening to the show. We talk a little bit about a director duo named Daniels. If you'd like to kind of know a little bit more about what we're talking about while, we're, while you're listening, uh, I would go look them up see what they do. I'm sure you've seen some of their work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Without further ado, here's our interview with Candice Dragonis or Dragone or the dragon. Candice, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's Monday, you know, living the dream. Yeah. Back in the grind. Uh, where are you right now <laughs> in this moment? I am in the beautiful Culver City, California at the Pretty Bird headquarters. Cool. And what are you working on? Oh my God. We're working on, a, on trying to award a lot of music videos, but it's always a very stressful process. That's good. So. That's what we want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I don't know what else I'm good for. Yeah. Candace, okay. it might be a good idea to like, maybe a good start would be, what do you, when you get to the office or when you get, if, if you are at the office or do you go to set every day, but what do you do every day? What do I do every day? Well, I'm an executive producer here at Pretty Bird. And so a lot of my job kind of <clears throat> takes place before the production actually happens. So I have a big role in generating the business, helping our directors come up with the creative and put pitches together, you know, get that out to the label or to an artist, make sure they like it and, you know, get everything, everyone's feedback. And then if everything's a go and everyone likes it, then I have a big role in putting together budgets and approaches and game plans. And then once the client likes the idea and likes the dollar put to that idea, the dollar <laughs> amount put to that idea, <laughs> then the green light, we're going and my team goes and produces that job. So like I hire a line producer and DP and production designer and all that, they go shoot and I oversee it. And then when the job is done shooting, it kind of comes back our way. And with the help of a post producer, we oversee that process and kind of make sure everything is done in line with how we're, you know, contracted to do it. Right. And then we're done. And just so I have a reference, what is like 
the gamut of budgets that you guys are working with? Um, well, we're crazy, so we run the gamut big time. I think we'll do within reason if the creative is amazing and we feel like it's worth it for the real. Money doesn't always motivate us. So it's like if there's an insane idea and a director who just can pull it off because he's so passionate, he or she is so passionate about it, um, and it's $5,000, we'll take a crack at sure. it. Sure. Um, but we've done, you know, $5 million videos too. So it's just, it's everything based on how creative and cool and what it could do for the director's reel, what it can do for Pretty Bird's reel. Because if it can't do anything for that, then it's not worth doing. Videos are too crazy and too chaotic and stressful to like invest time if it's not worth it. Um, okay. I have a question, Candace. What do you think... I'm like so in the middle of all this right now. So you're going to, you're going to get like, um, I hope I don't sound too frustrated, but this is like the life of a music video director. <laughs> I feel you. Boo. Uh, <laughs> okay. So let's maybe start in a, a, a less frustrated place, but like where, what makes a treatment successful? Would you say? And I know they're all different. I know they're all different for different artists and different labels and all that kind of like plays into it. But what are things that you found in your experience to make treatments successful or not successful? I feel very strongly about this because it is like the first thing that people see, obviously. Um, it has to be like less is more in a way. Um, you have to get to the point really quickly. Too much wording, too much detail in what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do. Even if it's like a technical approach that you're trying to get across, you have to be succinct and the visuals have to speak very loudly. So in my opinion, like if you can in the very first paragraph of your treatment, say exactly what you want to do and then yeah. follow up with some incredible images. And then, you know, that next page, go into a little bit more detail based on what you said at the beginning, a few more amazing images and then just tie it all up. <laughs> That's a great treatment. But people who get too kind of focused on the very specific details and writing them out, unfortunately, an artist isn't always going to have the time or the attention span or whatever to kind of go through that and really get it. And we don't always have the opportunity to get on phone calls with the artist. Yeah. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. So you have to be so super succinct. And that's hard because sometimes your idea has like some crazy technical aspect to it that's hard to just not say in a million words. Sure. But you have to figure out a way to hone in on on what you're trying to say. So that and we at Pretty Bird, like we're hardcore about our treatments and we really like to help our directors make them look the best they can be. Because yeah. if it's half assed when they see that, they're going to brush it to the side right away. But if it looks great and you could get through it quickly, yeah. <laughs> boom. Yeah. Typically, I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out, and obviously, like it's different with different reps and everything and artists, but like how many, how many directors do you think are typically writing? on one music video? Uh, that's hard, you know, it's it's tough out there and I get it. And I used to say like, if you're a great commissioner, you're only having a few people write on it because you really did your homework and you went out there to find like the most appropriate director for the job. Right. But because we live in such a weird time for music videos where the budgets suck and there's a lot of pressure <laughs> to still make amazing ideas yeah. come to life. It's like, sometimes you have to go wide because even the people that you'd expect to be the best option for the job, they're not going to be available or they can't work in those budgets anymore. And you have to right. find like people. So going wide is a necessity sometimes. And it's super frustrating, but again, it's, it's, you know, 
if your idea is great, it'll find its way to the top. Yeah. What do you think are like the most, I don't know, like what's the biggest difference between um, the process of pitching on a commercial versus, versus a music video? Oh, very different. So um, when you're pitching on a commercial, the idea is coming to you from an ad agency who's already sold through an idea to a client. So yeah. they're coming to us with the idea already. And their process is they can only bid three directors. So you're never pitching against more than two other directors, which is nice. So you know, like, at least you have a, a pretty good chance. Right. Um, and so that deck or that pitch or that script comes through. And then the first thing, if the director is interested in, in engaging, the first thing we do is we have a call with the ad agency. So they have the opportunity, their creative team has the opportunity to explain to the director where the idea kind of generated from, like what they're kind of looking for. And the director has the opportunity to ask questions at that point and kind of find out what they liked about his or her reel. And, and you know, they can really get on the same page pretty quickly. And then they take that and the director goes and writes up a director's treatment and comes back to the agency with that and a budget, and then it either awards or it doesn't. Yeah. So it's much more organized. So what you're saying is, <laughs> what you're saying is, it's a little more civilized. Is what you're saying. Oh my God, that's the word I used all the time because it's like the wild west in music videos and commercials. Is like a nice little tea party. I mean, it's crazy. Okay, so how did that? How did it get there? How did how did it feels like it just was like it's a good question. It, like amalgam. It's just like it just kind of this monster was created out of like chaos. <laughs> is that is that accurate? Well, yeah, 100%. But I'm sure if we tapped into anyone at any record label or in the music industry in general, it's just a different beast. It's a different personality that works in that industry. It's people who are just like on another wavelength. So, of course, you're going to be involved in something that's a little more fiery. But ad, the ad world is a lot more conservative. The people, um, the creatives there are just a different type of person. It's just, yeah. but to me, like, and I could be hated for saying this, but <laughs> I enjoy the music video world and the creativity that comes out of that more than the commercial world. It becomes a little repetitive to me and a little boring. And there's a lot of um, restraints in what you can do creatively. Whereas the music video is crazy and chaotic, but it's the best place to kind of tell any story you want to tell. Yeah. So it's, it's like you have to you have to be prepared for what that means, but the outcome is always, I think, cooler. Yeah. Well, that answers my question. I was going to ask you <laughs> with with <laughs> music videos being like so wild and chaotic, um, why you would? I guess I could ask myself the same question, <laughs> but like, what, <laughs> why would you? Why would you choose to do that? But uh, I do get it. I do get it. You know, it's every once in a while. You know, it definitely sounds nice to have like a commercial or somebody else's thought through the creative because music videos get yeah. a bit, um, it's, it sounds really nice and it is really nice when like the creative is at, I mean, usually most of the stuff I'm getting is like little to no brief, usually pretty open brief, you know, for music videos. Right. And, uh, and it's just like wide open, you know, which is nice right. sometimes, but also it's a little exhausting <laughs> Yeah, to have to start it's from so zero. It's so cool to be, but you can tell any story you want. You can play with any, well, within reason, if you can, within the budget, like play with any toy you want. Yeah. And you can, if 
let's say you're looking to make a specific feature, you can use a music video to kind of test the waters with what you want to tell in your long form piece. And it's such a great platform and it gets so much distribution just through social Mm -hmm. media and through artists, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. It's like, that's amazing. And so side note, I teach this class at USC on music videos. And I always tell my students that this is such an amazing era to live in if you want to become a filmmaker director and you're working in the music video space like you can put something out there and suddenly have like this insane audience that's looking at your work and that's so cool and i don't i mean commercials of course they also do get put out there but there's something different about a music video and the way it kind of moves around and gets recognized it's awesome so knowing that like we were talking we kind of joking about mark romantic before we started recording but (laughs) <laughs> what is the difference between the way uh, the Wild West used to be organized to where it is now? Yeah. Um, I don't think it was ever particularly organized. I think that there was just a lot more money. And so once upon a time, music videos had, you know, budgets in the millions at the minimum or, you know, at least half a million. And but it was always like you still had to account for the chaos and you know you still had to account for artists showing up on set 4 hours late and you still had to account for writers and and things that just play into the music world which make it fun but it, it's not it to me it was it's like more money more problems sometimes so, yeah um i think you know the that era of mark romantic and stuff and it's a little before my time but um, I do remember it being just like what looked like a big old party. <laughs> all the time. And I was like, damn, I want to work in that world. Yeah. You know, when I was a little PA or assistant at ages, well, I was like, that's dope. Do you think that it has a lot to do with maybe the loss of things like MTV and VH1 and moving into just kind of like more content, but all over the place? Like, what is your opinion on that? probably like there's like an oversaturation of content now where once upon a time music videos were made and just shown on MTV and TRL was where you go to watch that video. And now it's like Instagram is, you know, (laughs) a quick, quick thing. You just go, you want, you can watch a video on there. You can watch it on YouTube. It's so easy. We can make so much stuff. And I think artists, you know, their budgets go more towards a lot than just focused on one. So how does, how does the work in your opinion, not in that case, get a little bit devalued. Like it's more creatively um, valued, right? But financially, yeah. maybe I'm off, but that's my question. <laughs> Wait, so I creatively, I, I think it's still there. I think it's definitely an amazing outlet and it's still an incredible way to sell an artist. You just have to be more conservative in the way you kind of figure out how to do things now and you have to kind of be a little smarter it can't just be like here's a million bucks go blow it on like (laughs) helicopters and lamborghinis and like explosions now you have to maybe put a little thought into it and make things that are i don't know there's a part of me that really misses those days you know yeah like i turn on mtv and it's just like butts and lamborghinis (laughs) that's how i it's coming back that's very much christian's vibe yeah (laughs) Did you ever, Candace, did you ever watch, um, I remember watching this all the time. It only came on like once a week, but it was on MTV two and it was, uh, uh, 
show called Subterranean. Do you ever watch that? No, what's that? Well, it was like I remember that. It was like uh, where all like the cool videos came on because it because and it was like I I think it was like every Saturday night or something. And it was like kind of a lame show, but they always had like the coolest music videos. And that was like, because MT- I think at the point that I was kind of like coming up, I remember being in like, you know, like late middle school, early high school, and I was like watching a ton of music videos. It had started to taper off a bit, you know, like where MTV wasn't really like a music video station anymore. And it had kind of like right. had to almost create new programs for like actual video music video content. <laughs> but that right. was this one place that I always used to like stay up to like, I don't remember like 11 or midnight or whatever. And it was like always like really awesome. That was like when, when arcade fire was like making really great stuff and, mm-hmm. and I, all that stuff oh, was kind yeah. of like swirling. And it was like, I just remember like that yeah. was like the show to watch. Yeah. It was nice when you could kind of get into those direct, like directors that did that kind of stuff as opposed to just like the, top chart hits in those music videos. Yeah. So you talked about being a, a PA. Uh, yeah. How long ago were, were you doing that? And like, what kind of stuff were you working on? What got, what got you hooked on music videos? Um, so I started in like film and television. I worked at Warner Brothers. And okay. So it was fun, but it was like long years before a project was finished. Yeah. So in my like early days of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I ended up at this really cool company called HSI and I was a PA. And HSI was like the biggest of the big in commercials and music videos at the time. We had, you know, David LaChapelle and Sam Bayer and Paul Hunter yeah. and Lil X. Like it was just massive. And they were doing every video of the time, you know? And I just kind of worked in that short form world suddenly. And I was like, this is so cool. Like every few weeks is a new project. You kind of learn something interesting all the time. And I kind of got hooked on that quick turnaround. And I always loved music. And I kind of wanted to be a music supervisor once upon a time. And so I had gone to film school. I wanted to work in music. And then I found music videos to be a nice hybrid yeah, totally. of, of both. And so I kind of just used that path starting at HSI and kind of worked my way into what I do now. And you've been at and I Pretty Bird it. for 10 years or something. Is that right? 10 years. Yeah. I was like one of the very first employees here. Wow. Congrats. That's yeah. 10 years. That's a lot. Thanks. We just had our 10-year anniversary. It's cute. That's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> what, what have you seen, what Thanks, have you seen change uh, in 10 years since being at Pretty Bird? Um, well, we're much bigger now. Before, when we first started, we worked out of the owner, Kirsten's, basically her gym at her house. <laughs> <laughs> we would have lunch poolside. It was great. Um, and then we've been in two buildings since. Now we're in this giant you know, monstrosity in Culver City yep. and there's tons of employees. And if I remember right, you guys have a basketball court. Is this true? We have a full basketball court. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> it's excessive. A little ridiculous. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I'm sad to say that half the basketball court is getting cut this oh, year no. because we need That's the okay. space. That's good. So That's good news. Half court dreams. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we have a lot more directors now. Um, the projects that we take on are still amazing and cutting edge and we like to kind of do the best that we can in in music videos and commercials but i feel like now it's just on a bigger scale so it's cool it's stressful let me me ask you this question and this is a little you know selfish 
uh, for both me and Jared. <laughs> but and it's not <laughs> when you see like I'm I'm trying to get in the the idea of like t- a talent when you see a talent and you want to go for that. Like, what about that director uh, is drawing you in to eventually want to sign them? Um. I feel like it's important to see like a unique POV in a director, of course. I mean, I feel like, duh. But um, sometimes a unique POV that kind of appears in everything that they do. So there's like some sort of consistency to their voice. And I saw that when I first met Daniels. Mm -hmm. Um, They were like super young in their career. I think very, very fresh out of college doing like cool things. And from that very just infant stage in their career, I saw that in them. And I was like, these kids have something that's very specific and unique to what they do just in these little silly projects they're doing. That's that's somebody I want to work with. So ever since then, I've looked for like that very specific voice, that really interesting POV, something that can, that's, that if you could look at a bunch of work on a wall and pick out five different things and you know that it was their work, that's what I look for. Right. I feel like there's definitely like, you know, a lot of people um, email like the, the podcast and like are asking about like that specific thing, Candace, like how important is it to have like your thing or your style or, or whatever? How have you seen people like, I mean, do you feel like people like Daniels or whoever else is on your roster that you feel like kind of fits that description? Um, is that something that they develop or something that's that's a bit like innate to who they are? I mean, I feel like the best of the best seem to innately have that. Um, not to say that you can't grow your skills and, and learn as you go, but there is something special in in certain talents that just kind of naturally have that. And, you know, uh, using Daniels as an example again, I mean, they're two guys. So the sum of both parts created that unique point of view. And so maybe they had to meet each other before they actually had that special thing. But um, I think that if if you really know what you like and you really use, you know, you're inspired by certain directors or certain things like you can figure out what that is and, and tap into it. But um, from my experience, I've seen a lot of the kids that do have that. It's just like this natural, incredible yeah. thing. And I'm always like, Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. I, I'm curious about, cause I've seen this. I feel like it's always been there obviously with like Coen brothers and, and so many other examples, but this like directing duo kind of model seems to be, um, cropping up a bit more. Uh, what would you say? Would you agree with that? Yeah. And we have a few duos. I like the duos, yeah, guys. Yeah. I'm, cur- I'm curious like what the, um, like what the pros and cons are of that like kind of setup in your opinion. I think the pros are you can obviously divide and conquer, yeah. which is always a good thing, um, especially in music videos and commercials where things happen so quickly. And it's like um, you need to go, go, go. So you can obviously split the work a bit and, you know, make it happen. But it is also nice to have a partner that um, one one's strength of maybe dealing more with the client and being more active role on set. And the others maybe more behind the scenes, maybe more technical. So you find what your strengths are within your partnership as well. But I do think it's a wonderful way to 
to be able to collaborate. And if you ever feel insecure about what where you're going with something, you have a sounding board. Yeah. You have someone to just bounce ideas back and forth with. And I think that's that's amazing. I've seen people who have been part of collectives and then work on their own. And it was a little challenging at first to realize like, oh shit, I don't have anyone to like bounce ideas off right now. And that's that the kind of sucks, but you get used to it. But it, there is something comforting too in having a partnership. But yeah. I do think that like ideas can just grow out of it where you wouldn't expect them to go if you were just doing it by yourself. Yeah. As, I've always as wondered that. Sorry, Jared, just while you're talking about the, the two direct, how do they get paid? <laughs> well, they split their $2 fee, so one and one. So you just, right? is that really how it works? <laughs> yeah. That's um, kind of terrible. Yeah, it does suck. I would say if you're asking me pros and cons, splitting the money is definitely a con because you know there's not a ton of money. But um, a lot of my directors who randomly are teams also do post-production, so yeah. they reap the benefits of that budget. Um, but yeah, you, that's the reality. If you're going to share the space, you got to share the, the check too. Yeah. Uh, Candace, do you feel like as a music video EP or EP in general, do you feel like that's kind of your role in some ways too, like being a bit of a sounding board for directors as they're writing and developing? Yeah, of course. And I try to be that as, as much as I can. And I try to, within reason, let people know like, well, this isn't maybe as realistic as you think it is or yeah. without crushing dreams, of course, like, you know, yeah. because I, yeah. in the end, I am a producer and I do have to figure out a way to make something happen, but I'm always a creative soundboard and I'm always a person that you can ask me if you think this is a good idea for the artist or if this is a good idea for what they're trying to do. And I will always be there to kind of figure that out with you. But, um, yeah, I try not to crush dreams. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably good. Okay. So let let me like, this is how I understand the structure to be. And correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, because you would know way more than me. But from what I understand, it goes kind of like director to like production company or EP or whatever to music video rep to commissioner to management or artists. Is that about right? Um, Yeah, that's one way. It doesn't always happen that way. There's no like standard. Okay. Back to the whole wild, wild west. It's like sometimes we have a relationship with the artist direct and a rep isn't involved at all. Sometimes um, the rep brings something in and it does go through that route. But sometimes, you know, a label has worked with us for years and they just want to work with someone on our team. And it's just, it's, it's on a job for job basis, but yeah, for the most part, the way you just laid it out, that sounds right. That's so many people. So many people. And it really becomes too many cooks sometimes. I, I tell you. I just, when, yeah. I, when I think about, you know, like a lot of music videos that I've done, especially like kind of like getting into this, you know, it's like me, it's like two artists. You know what I mean? It's like the musician and, and the filmmaker kind of like making it happen. And that's, it's just always strange to me. Like when it's like, and I get it, there's a lot more money involved, like as things progress, but um, you know, like just placing so many people in between who's really like getting, you know, like creatively like getting the the work done. It's just, it's, it's always interesting. Like how that kind of, I don't know, like people like the stuff that you create um, outside of that system. And then they want to recreate it inside of this totally separate, system you know what i'm saying well we try like as much as we can and i have certain directors that will 
only do a job if they get to talk to the artist first. Yeah. And I can't be mad at that. I totally agree with that. I think it's crazy not to be able to pick someone's brain and really figure out what they want or even like hear each other's voices and discuss like what you're wanting to show the world with this track. And so um, if we're, you know, we obviously have a lot of good relationships with management and we can make that happen, but sometimes when you can't, it's frustrating. And I, I feel like, yeah, that's when there are too many people in the mix and things are getting lost in translation. And by the time the treatment's actually at the artist, it's with so many caveats and weird things that just don't make sense. And so if we could just have the director talk to the artist and just, you know, person to person figure it yeah. out that's the best I mean how, how like I know you can't give me like a hard and fast number but I would assume like you know you win significantly more when that's you're able to do that correct oh yeah like I'd say 99.9 percent yeah. more yeah it's just so much better because you really get a good perspective of what this person wants to do so we talked a little bit about like going really wide with um you know, a commissioner or, or whatever, do you feel like legitimately, I know, I don't know if you can answer this, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Do you feel like <laughs> it's uh, somewhat of like a waste of time to write treatments like blindly, you know, like when it's just like you get a track and you get a brief that's open or whatever, and you're just kind of writing a blind treatment. Do you, do you think that's like genuinely like a waste of time to do, to go about it in that way? No, because I, especially for a young director who's trying to come up, like nothing is a waste of time. You have to hustle. And the the kids that hustle the most and do the most treatments and don't whine about it, (laughs) like they will find success. But if you're going to start to bitch about, oh, another treatment, another treatment, like you're not ready. (laughs) But what I do suggest, and I've told a lot of my directors this, is like, you know, plant a seed of an idea. Let's see if they like it and riff off that. Like if you feel like it's going to be a waste of time at this point to write a huge elaborate treatment, which I don't like anyway, but you know what I mean? Like we can throw a few top line ideas with a few images and run it past, you know, a commissioner and a manager maybe and see if anything's even in the right direction, especially if it's like a blind brief where there's nothing to work off of. Cause that could be a waste of time. Yes, I hear you, but it's still good to take a crack at it and come at it with, you know, some sort of excitement because people like that. So if you can, you know, come up with three log lines, some images and see which one is kind of getting the most traction, then you go and elaborate on that. That's a way to kind of do it. But I would never turn an opportunity down, especially if it's like coming with a good production company attached to it. It's going to be read. It's not going to get lost in a pile. Yeah, totally. Um, Candace, um, on I know we're kind of harping on Daniels a little bit, but I think <laughs> everyone <yeah>, does. <laughs> there's an interesting thing that I saw. I think it was when they were some interview. I think um, that I listened to them on when they were talking about the music video that they did for Manchester Orchestra, and I think that they mm-hmm. did. I think they just like filmed themselves with a webcam, like w- playing the song, and then just like yelling the treatment at them. And then, <laughs> and then just sent them that. It was like word. It was like every action, every cut. They were just both. They like memorized this whole performance, and like yeah. sent it to Manchester. And that's exactly what you see. I think there's like, there's definitely interesting ways. Do you? Do you? I guess the question is, do you think that the 
the format of treatments with like, is there any kind of ex- exploring of that idea that is happening right now uh, other than just a PDF with images and, and text? Yeah, totally. I feel like Daniels were like ahead of the curve on that. When they did that, it was hilarious. And they're such characters too. So to see them read the treatment and kind of play it, finishing each other's sentences right. and getting all excited and like literally boom, boom. And then we do this, bah, bah. And it worked because <laughs> you had faith in those guys. These crazy fuckers are going to be able to pull off that idea for the $2 we had right. because they were that excited about it. And I think that was brilliant. And turned to like seven years later, they did that with Nike. Oh, wow. And the Wyden and Kennedy client and their pitch very much had a little video clip attached to it with them doing the same <laughs> thing. Amazing. And they got the job. And I was like, damn, that's amazing. <laughs> but I do see, like, it's really cool. I do like when people put little video introductions embedded into their treatment. I think it's nice to put a little face to it, if you can. Um, I see a lot of people create cool links now with um, GIFs, and is it GIF or GIF? I never find <laughs> If there's a GIF in it, <laughs> and like make it more of like a moving piece, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, Do you feel like resistance then, to that from from management or whoever, or are they no, they're down? not at all. Yeah. They're totally down. I think anything that kind of has a unique perspective again and like, kind of sets it apart from the rest is always refreshing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause we, I've, I've pitched on a couple things where I've done like, and I know Christian, you, you've actually done this too. Like where you've made like more of like a, a little like mini site and people can like go and like click and interact yeah. with it. And like the track is playing, whatever. Um, did, I guess I'm curious, like, are there kind of like, uh, and I guess you just answered this, but are there like industry norms that like you're just not supposed to shake or is it like, is it kind of open? <laughs> well, I think, well, unfortunately we're always kind of held back a little bit by timing. Sometimes right. the brief's like, we need it in 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't exactly build this dope site and like be able to navigate it that quickly. Um, but if there is time and you have the capabilities to do something like that, hell yeah, that's amazing. I love that. It's good to know. So one question that I have is it's a little bit of the differences between commercials and music videos, but, um, and Jared, maybe this is just something you can answer, but do you have any sort of presentation? Like, is there a phone call that is had with management or, uh, with a production company of some kind of presentation of these treatments? Uh, is that for me? I mean, anybody. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'd love for you to answer that Candice. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes we don't really have the opportunity to be the presenters, right? Um, the treatment, whether it's a link or, you know, a PDF or whatever, is handed over to either a commissioner or a manager, and then they present it. However, right. there are definitely opportunities. Like, so we were doing some stuff with Jay-Z last year, and we were brought into the studio to read him the pitch directly. Wow. And so my directors ask sat there at his soundboard and went through it page by page with him. I know. It sounds like the worst way. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yo, Jay-Z, let me pitch you this thing real quick, dude. (laughs) Like, what? Uh, And you can't tell if he likes it or not because he's like, I can't. It's so... (laughs) 
God, so crazy. And then literally we're sitting there listening to this all happen. And then he'll turn to us and be like, what do you guys think? And I'm like, mute. I can't even, I'm just like, whatever you think, Mr. Jersey. (laughs) But um, yeah, there are definitely opportunities like that. We work with Pharrell a lot and Pharrell is so cool. And we go to his studio, bring the director and again, pitch it to him. That's cool. Um, But it's just not an opportunity to do that with just everyone. But when it is an op- an option, we jump on it. What are the like, obviously money is a big part of it, but like working with like smaller artists or larger artists, what do you see to kind of be like the sweet spot or what do you like enjoy uh, more? What do I enjoy? Um, listen, working with a big mega artist is incredible and you get to do um, – things that you don't get to do in certain budgets, of course, but it does come with a certain amount of stress. Sure. And um, I can't say that I haven't lost a few years off my life <laughs> with some of those things. <laughs> but like we've done some amazing work with Beyonce and she's such an incredible hands-on artist that is like a pleasure to be around, super gracious and thankful and like amazing. And then we've worked with others who will remain nameless who aren't, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And so that's when it can be kind of hard. Of course, the when, you know, there's a, a smaller artist and a smaller budget and everyone comes together for the love of a project. And it's like, we make this incredible thing, like back to the Daniels, I guess, like um, <laughs> turn down for what, right? Yeah, yeah. Like DJ Snake, that was a labor of love, you know? Yeah. And it was so... Um, it was so wonderful to just see how it was received and that made all the pain along the way, even though it wasn't that, but you know, like that labor of love came together so well. So, and in that budget, it was, it was worth it. But in the bigger budgets, it can be, it can be a lot more stressful sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I think. Candice, I think that's it. We've got some, um, we've got some kind of like Spitfire, like quick answer questions. They could turn into oh. like uh, uh, <laughs> Spitfire is so like dramatic sounding. Um, I know. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Now it's time uh, for Spitfire. But <laughs> yeah, we need to have a like a sick transition into this. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll try and like keep these kind of brief. Okay, but here's I've got like I think five five. Okay, what's the biggest and these could be like really massive so we'll, we'll try and keep them short though what's the biggest lesson you've learned um i've learned to always stick to my guns about doing things a certain way if it means keeping our production like safe yeah okay you, what do you mean by what do you mean by safe you know there's a lot where things can go left in this industry and you know people kind of want you to just go 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 and do things and make things happen and there's a certain element of that that we do, of course, but sometimes like there are rules that we have to follow and sometimes I have to follow them and make sure that my crew isn't going to get hurt because there's no workers and, yeah. you know, make sure that there's workers comp on a set in case my crew gets mm-hmm. hurt or like make sure that we have a permit because if we get shut down, it's our fault. Like we signed the contract with the, with the record yeah. label. So just things like that. Like sometimes you feel pressured to do things and, you know, people make you feel bad for not being able to just go for it. But there's, you know, I have to, I have to stick to my gun sometimes and within reason, of course. And I think like I've learned my lesson from not doing that. And so that's probably the biggest lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, 
what advice would you give to yourself at the beginning of your, so imagine you're like sitting across from yourself at the beginning of your career. What would you, what advice would you give yourself? Dear self, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would tell myself to just go for it. Don't let any, you know, I, I remember early on being a little intimidated by um, people that were doing this longer than me or, you know, bigger artists and bigger projects. And I, was, and I just now look back at that canvas and think like, why? Just go for it. Be confident. Find the talent that you believe in and just make it happen for them. Yeah, I love that. So um, next one, what are the mistakes you see younger filmmakers or directors making? Not communicating um, time and time again. It's I feel like a lot of young directors don't necessarily know how to work with a crew. Mm. Um, so they come on board and they don't utilize the various resources that they have in that crew because they're coming from like run and gun, go, go, go. And so sometimes a crew can be like a daunting situation for them. And so in that respect, it's like learning to communicate and learning to use your producer and your AD and really get them working for you as well and being a great team. Like that's something that young directors yeah. should really focus on. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. What consistent values do you see in successful people around you? Confidence, 100%. Um, it's so huge. And I find that like, whether it's a fellow EP, producer, director, you know, talent. It's like the people that have this like confidence and you feel reassured that whatever they do, it's going to be good. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great thing to have. How long do you think it took you to like, do you feel like you had that pretty like straight off the bat or is that something that you were able to develop and in, in, like for you personally? I think it developed over time. You know, I started the music video industry here and I really had nothing. Like I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. Let's figure it out. <laughs> and so of course I ran into certain situations where I was like, I have no idea what to do here. Yeah. But yeah. I tried to tap into like the confident girl that I am and realize, you know, this isn't rocket science. I'm a smart girl and I can figure this out. And so I kept that confident kind of, vibe the whole way through and of course there were hiccups and hurdles and fuck ups and all this shit but like in the end as long as I tried my best and kept confident about what I was doing we ended up in a good place awesome, awesome. uh last one you ready mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on striving towards your like ultimate career goal um while still needing needing to make money right now Ooh, good question <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like more so if you're a director? Yeah, sure. We'll start there. Okay. So obviously there's not a lot of money at first, but it goes from like A to Z once you're successful. It's crazy. But anyway, so there are so many ways to kind of supplement in, in the meantime. So you're writing treatments, you're pitching, pitching, pitching. It's frustrating. You're not booking anything. You're not making any money. But, you know, maybe there's maybe you're really good at pulling images and like on the side you're pulling images for treatments or like, and this is, I'm talking like very early on in your career, like in then in that you're kind of learning to develop your craft even more. So you're getting paid to pull images and to like help people with treatments. And so, actually I take that back. That's a horrible idea because if you're, 
<laughs> a director writing a lot of treatments, the last thing you want to do is to go be writing more well, treatments. Let's maybe speak from your point of view as maybe just as a producer or an EP. Yeah, I think, you know, you just have to keep going for it. It's hard. And like, there isn't a lot of money in the beginning and you're, you know, just trying to connect dots and make something out of nothing. And for me, it was like, I went a different route. I took a staff job. So for me, it wasn't as much of a stress to kind of pay the bills and stuff. But if you're a freelance producer or freelance anybody, director, like it's just, you have to constantly hustle and constantly grow your network and constantly make sure that you're in the mix of people doing exactly what you want to be doing. And in that, you'll get involved in projects where there'll be little paydays here and there, but it's just always staying in the know and really getting involved in pe with people and with, you know, other projects that maybe you're not directing or producing yet, but you're working for the people that are directing and producing right. them. And then just really working your way into that seat that you want to be sitting in. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good cool. advice. Candace. That's better. <laughs> thanks. Well, Candace, thanks for hopping on. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for your time. And thanks for bearing with us through some technical difficulties. <laughs> oh my God. No, no, no problem at all. That was super fun. Thanks for having you guys. Yeah. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, for sure. This season of good is sponsored by Musicbed. Searching for the right music can be tough. That's why Musicbed offers free music search. Just shoot them an email or give them a call and one of their music specialists will help you narrow it down to the perfect track. And once you have it, don't forget to use coupon code good for 20% off. Visit musicbed.com for more info. Don't forget to check out patreon.com slash good the podcast to get access to live Q&As, commercial and music video treatments, as well as behind the scenes photos and video of us on set. Get all your info at patreon.com slash good the podcast. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. Also, you can find all of our show notes and other fun stuff at goodthepodcast.com. 